You're listening to The Interim, hosted by me, Josh O'Neill. I want to start off by thanking everyone who's been listening to this podcast and everyone who has uh, voiced their support and just uh, said a kind word here and there um, about uh, you know, just the fact that you've enjoyed listening or, or what have you, and I, I really appreciate all that feedback, and I'm, I'm very grateful that anybody finds listening to me talk for more than five minutes um, as some type of blessing in their life. Well, as promised, we'll, we'll continue with this sub-series of the interim that uh, is just called On My Mind. And that's what we're going to do here today. And so over the last few weeks, I've been intaking a lot of information, particularly from from a couple of books by Jordan Peterson um, that we're not going to talk too much about. Um, but his both of his books, uh, 12 Rules for Life and Antidote to Chaos, and his second book, Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life, um, I listened to both those on audio that was about 24 hours worth of uh, very intense, surgical, clinical, condensed, distilled thoughts from um, someone whose intellect is far beyond my capacity. Um, but I was able to sit down, listen, understand, and, and kind of grasp what he was saying. And um, one thing that he harps on a lot in those books is the idea of, of confronting the chaos in your life um, in such a way that allows you to put yourself in order, and then by putting yourself in order, you might put the world around you in better order. And if everyone were to uh, seek after this aim, then the world would become a more orderly place, and people would find meaning despite their suffering, um, would adopt an attitude of gratitude for the things that they have, and we might generally elevate ourselves as a species across time if we were to pass those things down to future generations. And that may be a complete misrepresentation of what he was trying to say in those books, but I kind of doubt it. I, I feel like I was able to grasp most of what he said. I've listened to many hours of his um, talks through his 12 Rules for Life tour that he uh, gave uh, all around the world to tens to hundreds of thousands of people at this point now. And I'm not going to sit here and try to dissect everything that he said in that in those two books. There's far too much there. But as I as I listened to him, and I just allowed his words to kind of ruminate in my mind, um, the things that stuck out to me the most were his blatant and, uh, in my opinion, uh, foolhardy use of the Bible to to back up the things that he said. And, and again, I'm not trying to insult his intellect. I think for someone who is not a professing Christian and someone who, by my estimation, listening to how he uh, wields the Bible as a clinical tool, I do not believe uh, that he would consider himself to be one um, that is a believer in the gospel. And and that is it for him to say. I don't, I don't know the state of the man's heart, but what I can say is that based on his words and descriptions of the Bible and treating it as if it was a, just a piece of literature alongside many others, albeit one of the pinnacles of um, literature that most accurately in his determination represents these archetypal ideas through these great stories that have been distilled, again, using his words across our millions and hundreds of thousands of years of evolution up until this point. Um, I believe that despite all of all of that, he, he would not profess to believe uh, in the gospel. Um, and, and that becomes very apparent by his uh, the way that he describes uh, man's inner ability to confront the chaos of the world and the universe and to have any impact on it in some meaningful way. 
I don't believe that we can do that. Uh, I believe that you can um, have an apparent impact on your life by getting yourself in order. I think that there's something to be said about discipline. I think there's something to be said about um, desire and drive and setting goals to elevate your your status in this in this world and to gain self-esteem and to conduct yourself as if you're somebody who's valuable because I believe all human beings are valuable in the eyes of God by the virtue of the fact that you we are created in His image and we are valuable in that way. But what I disagree with is his entire premise that um, men on their own are able to confront the, the deep chaos of the universe and make any lasting, meaningful change to themselves with respect to eternity. And that may not have been his thrust of the book. So what I want to do is to take to go one layer deeper, is to go deeper than, than perhaps he did on the theological side. And it was a very intense 24 hours of audio listening to all of that, um, basically because I had to continually try to sift through his error when he was using the Bible as what I'll call a dead piece of literature rather than the living and active Word of God, and the fact that he completely missed the point of the gospel, which is the transforming work in the heart that would actually be the only way that there can be an everlasting change um, in, the, in the course of your life and therefore in the course of eternity. And when I was thinking about all of this, I, I was reminded of Genesis chapter 1, and, and that's where I want to kind of turn our attention, and then I want to kind of draw a parallel between uh, the, the creative work that was done in Genesis chapter 1 and the regeneration of the soul um, at, the, at the moment of salvation and, and then um, across the remainder of the believer's life as he is sanctified to become more like Christ. If we look at Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And it's interesting here that and Jordan Peterson talks about this as well, which is why I bring this up, is that the earth was without form and void. And in the Hebrew language, it says it was tohu vabohu, which means it was a barren wasteland, a, a uninhabitable, barren, empty wasteland. And, and Jordan Peterson rightly so compares this or draws the parallel that this is the chaos that, that God confronted before he turned it into an orderly and beautiful universe, and he created something beautiful out of it. And, I, and that, that part I do agree with. However, where we disagree is the fact that this is just some type of story. And what he doesn't continue with, and why would he? Because it was a pagan take on a biblical narrative, is that there is a direct parallel between God's creative act and the continuation of his creative act with respect to the regeneration of souls and the chaos that is our life before we are believers and the order in our soul that is generated at the moment of belief in the gospel. And so there's a book that I've been reading um, to kind of reorient my mind after listening to all of the, uh, the jumbled biblical error in Jordan Peterson's books um, called The Pursuit of Man by A.W. Tozer. And in this book, he talks 
and draws a parallel between the creative act in Genesis 1 and the regeneration of the soul of the believer upon their belief in the gospel. And I just want to read this section for you. And it says this, Without doubt, we have suffered the loss of many spiritual treasures because we have let slip the simple truth that the miracle of the perpetuation of life is in God. God did not create life and toss it from him like some petulant artist disappointed with his work. All life is in him and out of him, flowing from him and returning to him again. A moving, indivisible sea of which he is the fountainhead. That eternal life which was with the Father is now the possession of believing men. And that life is not God's gift only, but his very self. Redemption is not a strange work which God for a moment turned aside to do. Rather, it is the same work performed in a new field, the field of human catastrophe. The regeneration of a believing soul is but a recapitulation of all his work done from the moment of creation. It is hard to miss the parallel between generation as described in the Old Testament and regeneration as described in the New How, for instance, could the condition of a lost soul better be described than by the words without form and void, with darkness upon the face of the deep? And how could the strong yearnings of God's heart over that lost soul be more perfectly expressed than by saying that the Spirit of God was brooding upon the face of the waters? And from what source could light come to that sin-shrouded soul Had God not said, let there be light. At his word, the light breaks, and the lost man arises to drink of eternal life and follow the light of the world. As order and fruitfulness came next to that ancient creation, so moral order and spiritual fruit follow next in human experience, and we know that God is the same, and his years fail not. He will always act like himself wherever he is found at work and whatever work he is doing. And so it's in that section right there where I I got the desire, the yearning in my soul to to just speak about this subject to you. Um, And and I don't necessarily have any great profound thoughts to add to that. I, I just have my own ideas about this concept of chaos to order or disorder to order. It's as if God initially had all of the raw materials brought into being and and he was hovering over them. And and there are some translations that say that that indicate that the Spirit of God was in a way vibrating over the face of the deep. In a sense, you could say that God had all the raw materials that were in complete chaos, apparently, and he was adding the energy required to bring them into order. You see, because in nature and in uh, our material world, chaos dominates. It tends to dominate. That's what the second law of thermodynamics states, that things go from order to disorder. The entropy will be maximized over time. And it could be that the raw materials that God threw out into existence and created from nothing brought into being were in a state of equilibrium. A perfect state of equilibrium, albeit apparently chaotic in the sense that there was no structural order to it, without form, right? It was void, barren. 
and the god decided to take those raw materials that were in that apparent chaotic state and form them into something that was amazing in the same way that god takes the soul of a man and when he calls him to believe begins the process of restoration in his heart and reconciles him to god sending him on the path to become more like christ through his regeneration and through his sanctification for the rest of his life I don't believe that salvation is an ongoing process. I believe that a man is justified to God upon the moment of his belief and that he is secured in eternity at that point. But because we are bound in this body and we are bound in our fallen nature, the duality of our being, being the inner man and the outer man, the man of spirit and the man of flesh, war against each other all the time. And we have to generate order out of the chaos of our sinful nature. And this is where I think the 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 large um, differences between what Jordan Peterson teaches and and what the Bible teaches come come into play, because Jordan Peterson seems to indicate that it is possible for a man to elevate himself by simply digging into his soul and confronting the chaos and the darkness that is there. I would argue that that is completely and wholly impossible apart from the revelation that he is, in fact, in need of saving. The existence of the anxiety that is generated by the knowledge of the fact that there is something off in our soul as a lost human being is is definitely a reality. It exists. There's a reason why we give out more antidepressants and drugs and anti-anxiety medications. We, we give out more and more, prescribe more and more all the time, and we tell people to shove their inner guilt that they supposedly feel and profess to feel away and blame other people and circumstances and all these things. And there is something to be said for taking responsibility for your life and not blaming your circumstances on other people. But it is an entirely different thing to have an understanding of the fact that you are wholly inadequate to bring yourself into right standing with God apart from His grace, mercy, and apart from the gospel, which is the life, death, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. Those are not the same. You see, it is only God who is able to take the disorder of your soul and to bring you into right standing with Him, creating order in the relationship between us and Him. The Bible is all about restoration. The, the theme of, of the New Testament is, is restoration uh, between creation and God, they're, they're, and His creation being us and Himself. You see, when God created everything in the creation account, and, and when He was done, finally, He looked at His entire creation and He said that it was good. It was good. It was in harmony with Him. You might say that the 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 spirit of God and his and his vibrating frequency of energy that he infused into the creation when he created everything and formed it and he made man in his own image, those frequencies were oscillating harmoniously with each other. It was man who abandoned God when he was deceived by the serpent in the garden. It was that decision that man made, that Adam made, Adam and Eve both, that separated mankind and all of creation from God, causing a rift 
and an offset in those frequencies between God and men. There is no harmonious fellowship between man and God because of our own decisions. And to Jordan Peterson's point, generationally speaking and in our DNA, if such a thing is to carry through and we are to believe that we are byproducts of all of the generations before us, and in our DNA we have remnants of the experience of our ancestors, then it would be true that Adam, being the first man of whom all of us are descendants, would have been deeply aware of his error and acutely aware in his conversations with God in the garden after his sin where he was forced to take responsibility and was rejected from the garden and forever separated from God in the sense of perfect harmony, at least until Christ's return. And it could very well be that that very experience is an echo that men like Jordan Peterson describe as the, as the chaos and the fear and the doubt that are in men's hearts. You see, we all are aware that we do wrong things, that we sin, that there is something off, something amiss with us. That's why we can look around and wonder why such horrible things happen. That's why we're terrified of the monster that we are on the inside. And as we've talked about before in this podcast, the understanding that each and every one of us is only a hairline away from complete and total madness, chaos, violence beyond any way that we could measure. And we've seen that in history. Only in the last hundred years, we've probably killed more people than in any of the previous years combined, at least in recent history, in modern history. We've created weapons of war that are able to completely decimate entire cities, and we have used them on each other. We've seen hatred, divisiveness of many, many kinds, of many flavors, pour over our society globally, and even locally here in the United States, in a place where we claim to be free and we have all of this great ideal driving our society, but we fall short of everything all the time. We know it. We know that there's something wrong with us. But the only one who can take disorder and turn it into perfect order is our Creator, God. That's what He did in the beginning. When He threw out all the raw materials and created them with His with the word of his mouth, and he looked at them, and he infused his divine energy into this cosmos and created with his words everything that is around us. He made an order that was perfect. And it was precisely us as mankind that deviated from that, who betrayed that. So when we ask why there's all these problems in the world, and we ask How do such terrible things happen to seemingly innocent people? We need only look at ourselves in the mirror because we are the ones who are the perpetrators and we are the ones who are guilty of it. It wasn't God that caused us to break away from Him. It was God that created us in perfect, harmonious relationship with Him and it was us who deviated. In our pursuit to be like God, we betrayed Him. And that was believing the lie 
that the serpent told Eve, which was that if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And what a heavy price to pay that was. The natural order of things is to go from order to disorder, at least in our experience. It's not so with God. God is the maker, the creator, the sustainer of the universe. He is the all-powerful God who holds everything together by the word of His mouth. You know, it's interesting that we want to believe that we're, we're important to God's plan. But we're really not. We're beneficiaries of His greater plan. And I can tell you this right now, it's not that God doesn't want you to be wholly fulfilled and to be filled with joy and, and to be filled with His peace, because it is. It's all throughout the Bible. There's no doubt about any of that. But we are not the focal point of His great narrative. We are a beneficiary of a great plan of God the Father to give to His Son a bride, a bride that is refined. In a sense, a bride that is purified from the chaos that she herself created. And it was only through the sacrifice of Jesus himself and his resurrection to cover the sins of his bride and through that payment for our sin that we could ever be made right with him. And therefore, God is the one who created, God is the one who purified, and God the Father is the one who regenerated and regenerates his son's bride as a gift. And we are that gift as the church and the body of believers. It's interesting even thinking about it in those terms because when we take something like gold and we we mine for, for gold and we get this ore out of the ground, we take that chaotic mixture of elements and we burn it and purge it. So that out of that chaotic mess, we can get refined and pure gold. And so it is with us. From the moment we believe we are a new creation, the old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Through our knowledge of the truth and the revelation of the truth in our hearts, we are made free. As Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. God created light on the first day. And His light is what we follow. That word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you seek to make order out of your life and you don't know Jesus, the order that you gain will be temporary and it will decay. There's a parable in the Bible where Jesus is talking about a man who's stored up for himself a whole bunch of treasures on earth, right? And he says, don't store for yourself treasures on earth where moth and and, and rust and dust and things like that corrupt, but store for yourselves treasure in heaven, right? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And so my question to you today is, where is your treasure? Do you know the truth? Has it made you free? Self-help, self-esteem. All that stuff is great, but it won't save your soul. The chaos that you feel every day, that anxiety of the knowledge of the fact that there is something amiss in your heart and in your soul, that very well could be the Holy Spirit tugging away at your heart, pulling you towards the right relationship and right standing with God, but you must acknowledge that He is the one who paid the price so that you may have a right standing with Him. And He is the only one who is able to take that disorder and that chaos and bring reconciliation and restore the order that once was between God and man. I want to thank you guys for listening, and I know that um, it was a shorter episode than some of the previous ones, but that was just something that's been on my mind. There's much more to talk about on topics like this, and uh, we will get to those in the future. My goal is to be more periodic with some of these messages. Uh, Life, work, family get in the way, and uh, I'm always thinking about it, and sometimes I'm busting at the seams before I can get in here and record things like this, and... uh, I hope that you enjoy it. I enjoy sitting down and talking through these things, and and I, I look forward to hearing any feedback that any of you may have. As always, feel free to reach out to me on on Facebook or Instagram. Um, you can find me there. This podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And thank you so much for listening. And I hope that uh, we continue on this journey together of learning and thought, and that we're better for it, and that we grow closer to God together. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be back with another episode soon.